Welcome to Sex Plus Health Podcast. I'm Fred Wyatt with the American Sexual Health Association, ASHA. Today, we'll be talking about some pretty exciting new developments in contraception. And you know, new, new options are really important. There are about 61 million women at reproductive age in the United States. And given that the average desired family size is two children, that means women often must use some type of birth control for three decades. And there's no one size fits all approach. You know, needs vary by an individual, and those needs really change a lot over the course of a lifetime. It's we're fortunate. We've got a lot of options available. Each one comes with its with advantages and disadvantages. And our guest today who's going to help us navigate all this is Dr. Noor Dasuki Abu El Nadi, known by her patients and staff at UNC Chapel Hill as Dr. Noor. She's an expert minimally invasive surgeon. She treats the full scope of gynecologic, surgical, and pelvic pain issues. She's also our dear friend and a scientific advisor. Dr. Noor, thank you for taking time to talk with us today. Thank you, Fred. I'm super excited to be here. This is um, not my first time on your podcast, so I feel very honored to be able um, to be welcomed back. Well, we're thrilled to have you. So I want to start by discussing some new innovations in contraception and, you know, who might benefit from these new options. Uh, we've got three of them really on our radar. A new low-dose contraceptive patch, Twirla, a new annual contraceptive ring, Anavera, and a hormone-free contraceptive gel called Fexi. So let's start with Twirla. So it is a contraceptive patch, and while there is an existing contraceptive patch option, Twirla is a new low-dose option. The patch is used in a four-week cycle. Each patch is applied and worn for seven days, so three patches are used every three weeks. When the third one is removed, uh, a patch-free fourth week begins before the four-week cycle repeats. So it's a low-dose option. Uh, what, what, how much of an advantage is that? Yeah, so um, I think the first thing is kind of taking a step back and understanding what is inside of the patch itself. So it's an adhesive. Um, it technically only comes in one um, beige um, neutral color that you would apply onto um, a certain area of your body. So it could be the upper arm, the back, the butt, um, along the abdomen. And what it does is that it continuously releases hormone. And it's two hormones. So it releases a progesterone and an estrogen. Um, the progesterone essentially fits a cervical mucus and it prevents sperm from um, going through the vagina into the uterus. And then the estrogen is really there to be able to suppress ovulation so you don't produce an egg. So it really works in two different ways. Um, the benefit of the Torla compared to um, prior forms of the patch, which um, some people will remember the Zulane patch or the Ortha Evra patch, um, is that the lower dose of that estrogen actually results in a lower risk of venous thromboembolic um, events, which means blood clots. So whether that's a stroke or a blood clot in the leg or a blood clot in the, in the lungs. Um, and that's because um, studies have shown that the patch itself actually has a higher serum concentration of estrogen compared to even high dose birth control pills. Um, and so the Torla is really meant to be an alternative to see if you can have um, an equivalent um, uh, form of birth control, but not necessarily have the same risk. And it does accomplish that, which is great. It sounds like it. Um, that sounds like a pretty big advantage. Is, is this something that you talk about, you know, kind of frequently with your patients out? Or does, does this come up? 
Yeah, you know, I usually kind of take a couple things into consideration before I offer things like the patch. I always ask patients, you know, what is the frequency in which you want to um, take your birth control? Um, and then the other thing is I always have in my mind a list of contraindications or reasons why as a medical provider, I wouldn't give um, a patient um, uh, the patch. And the big one that you have to remember for Twarla, whether you're a patient who's asking for it or a provider who's prescribing it, is that if you carry extra weight, so if your BMI is greater than 30, so 30 or more, then it's actually not as effective. And so talking about other forms of birth control um, is recommended, um, not just through the FDA labeling, but um, practicing OBGYNs, family physicians, um, individuals who are giving um, contraception would all agree that it's not the best form of birth control um, specifically for that patient population. There are some other medical contraindications, um, but if you're young, you're healthy, um, and that BMI cutoff does not apply to you, then it's actually a really easy form of birth control to take that is um, very um, low, it's, or it's not like very dependent um, upon the user, it's very user-friendly. Um, so I think from that regards, it's a, it's a great option. It sounds like it's a pretty convenient uh, um, option. Uh, it's it, it's easy to apply, and so that's so. I, of course, that's a great a big piece of adherence is just making it easy to use. Um, you talked a bit about who might not be a good candidate. Is there any patient in particular who who might be a really good candidate for this? Maybe somebody for whom other birth control hasn't worked so well, or. Yeah, um, I would say someone who is young, someone who um, is a very busy individual and wants like convenience of their birth control. Um, also someone who doesn't tolerate oral medication very well. This is a great alternative. We have patients who have pill phobias. We have patients who also just get nausea with um, the estrogen component um, of birth control pills. Um, I would say that um, overall, it doesn't have many medical contraindications, and I apologize, you're going to hear um, the train passing by my house because I live in um, downtown Durham and uh, right by the tracks, but... Local yeah. ambient sounds, that's fine. Yeah, what can I say? We've all gotten used to it. I Every right. time I Zoom, every time I um, have a phone conversation, I always pause, I'm like, that's a train. Um, but um, I think that you would be surprised to realize that most people are actually a really great fit for the patch. Um, some people, maybe on a more personal note, um, would not be comfortable with the patch because of the fact that it only comes in one color, um, specifically the twirla. Um, so that's just something to remember. But there are so many different areas of the body in which it could be placed on. If you do have a skin sensitivity or you have a skin disorder that's exploitative, meaning that you have a lot of sloughing of the skin, um, it's not a great option for you. So that is something that I think sometimes people forget. They may not tell their OBGYN or their family physician or their um, or any other physician who's, pres who's prescribing them um, contraception, but not thinking um, necessarily about another medical condition they may have. Um, so just remembering to advocate for yourself um, in that regards. But um, there really aren't many people who aren't a good candidate for it. Oh, that's that's good to hear. Uh, the more options, the better, especially if they're convenient, they work well, so, so very good. Well, let me ask you about another one called Anavera. This is a contraceptive ring, and before I really get into it, let me just ask you first to explain, what is a contraceptive ring? That is such a great question. I think it, um, it can be kind of a 
first a little bit misleading or um, it can be a little um, vague, but it really is a ring. So I think of it in terms of like almost the same diameter as a hair tie in terms of the width and the actual diameter of this ring. So um, it's definitely um, very thin, it's very pliable, um, and it's made out of um, latex-free material. Um, the point of it is that it's impregnated with hormones. So it also has estrogen and it has progesterone and it slowly releases hormone where it reaches kind of like peak amount of release within about a week. Um, the great thing about it is that it's so easy to put in and women do not feel it. I prescribe it so commonly to patients because as much as the patch sounds like it's really great, you have to remember on the same day every week to switch it out. But when you use a contraceptive ring, you keep it in place. And so things like the Nuva ring, where you take it out for three weeks, um, or, or I'm sorry, you keep it in for three weeks and take it out for a week, or the um, Anavera where you actually um, uh, can continue to recycle it um, within that time frame um, are just very user friendly. And I think you know having only um, one month at a time having to um, having to switch it out makes it very easy. Um, people also kind of forget that you can use all of these forms of birth control continuously, meaning in a non-cyclic manner. So you don't have to have a period every month. Um, everyone kind of freaks out when I first say that to them, especially my younger patients. They're like, oh, that just can't be healthy. Um, and some of my older patients who are a little bit more conventional, and I totally understand, but it's okay to not have a period every month. And you should consider that a gift, a gift from these medications. Um, and so you actually can keep the um, Anovera in for the full 13 months that it's good for. You can do that also with the Nuvering. Um, the one distinction I like to remind people in terms of the actual ring itself is that the Anovera is a little bit bigger. Um, so it's not enough that you're going to feel it, um, but um, it is a little bit bigger. And there's some other things in terms of, you know, storage as well as um, sex that people kind of have to remember um, in terms of using it compared to the Nuvering that are advantages. And we can talk more about that too. Yeah, let me ask you about that. So does, uh, does Enovera have to be removed uh, uh, before having sex? Uh, no. Can it stay in place? Yeah, it can totally stay in place. Um, I think the studies usually quote only 20 to 30% of patients can even feel it in terms of like when they're when they're engaging in sex with their partners. So you don't have to remove it. So the Anavera, the nice thing about it is that if you take it out of your body, you have a 40 hour window before you have to put it back in. That's very different than the Nuvering where you only have three hours. Um, so if you miss that three hour window, then you have to use backup birth control for seven days. Um, the um, 13 month ring or the Anavera is one where you actually um, get a total of 48 hours, um, which I think makes it a lot easier. And the other thing is that the Anavera is stored at just room temperature. And when you buy it, it actually comes with a very nice case in which you can store it. Um, so when you take it out, you just wash it, um, and then you can put it in the case. And then if you decide to put it back in within a couple hours, you're welcome to do that. Um, so uh, so you, you, uh, I, I latched onto something you mentioned there that it is, uh, it basically can get protection for uh, a year. Uh, it sounds yeah. like the Anavera can. So, so my next question was gonna be, so what are some of the advantages here? What sounds like that would be a big advantage in terms of convenience? Oh, it's such an advantage. I mean, I think people, I think, one, there's this idea, again, that you have to have a period every month that scares people, but once people go period-free, they feel like their life has changed um, in regards to 
not having pain with their periods or not having heavy periods or noticing like persistent improvement in their um, skin symptoms, such as like acne that may be hormonally related. Um, but it's just super easy to use. And I think one of the things that we tend to forget is like our lives are busy. And the, one of the many things we don't want to have to worry about is whether we're subjecting ourselves to potentially unintended pregnancy, even though we may be trying to use something. Um, every hormonal contraception and non-hormonal contraception, the unintended pregnancy rate is given as two numbers. There's a like um, there's a typical number and then there is a perfect situation number. And most of us don't achieve perfect situation because life gets in the way. Um, and so you just kind of have to remember um, if you want something that's more long-term, you want something that's easy. Um, I think this is a, a great option because that, that um, perfect number is not, um, is not taking into consideration, not just user error, but life in general. Um, that gets um, us a little off track. Yeah, so I see a trend here about convenience, and we talked about that um, with with Twirl, and that's such a big thing. I mean, I have daily eye drops, and I miss those half the time. It is eye drops, you know, so I can imagine, right? And yeah, so I remember being a medical resident. I was an OBGYN resident. I started birth control. I was taking birth control pills. Pills are great, don't get me wrong, but I was so inconsistent with taking them because my schedule was just so unpredictable. Sometimes I get home at seven. Sometimes I would be on call. Sometimes I would like travel to a different hospital. So I wouldn't have my pack of pills. So I would joke around that it was like popping estrogen left and right because I'd go one day with it, three days without it. Mm. Um, the nice thing about all of these medications is that it's, they're very easy to use. Um, you can set reminders for yourself. Um, so the Anavera actually comes with an app. So that way, if you download it, it can remind you when to take it out, when to put it in. Um, I think the other thing that people kind of have to remember is that even though these are technically longer term usage, meaning you can use them for up to a year, you can use them for up to a month, um, their ability for you to be able to easily stop them or take them out and try to get pregnant is just a couple of months. So it's usually no more than six months um, will it take for your regular ovulation to come back and for you to attempt pregnancy. Um, and that's on like the higher end of normal. Most patients, it's two to three months, but you can start trying to get pregnant after just, uh, or immediately after stopping the medications. Okay, and you, you also mentioned NuvaRing. So one distinction between the two rings is, as I understand it, Innovera can prevent ovulation for about 13 cycles, whereas NuvaRing provides protection for a month. Is that yeah, that's correct. So you have to keep switching it out um, every month. The other thing is that when you get your prescription for the Nuvering, it comes with a um, it comes with an ice pack because it has to be refrigerated. So you better get home and you better put it in the refrigerator. Um, and you have to, you know, you got to think about it like if you're in the middle of a vacation and you didn't bring your Nuvering and you didn't figure out a way to store it then you're kind of in a, in a bind. Um, and the ring can be technically kept into place for a minimum of three weeks and up to five. So it's not like the hard and fast is not, um, is not a month. Um, so it can, it's for, you can suppress ovulation for three weeks or you can keep it in for as long as five and it has um, equivalent efficacy. So it's just as good either way. Okay. Is there anyone who may not be a good candidate to use Anavira? 
Yeah, um, I tell patients who have pelvic pain or who have symptoms of like vaginal infections or um, uh, if they have um, any um, concerns of um, like vaginitis, um, I would recommend for them not to use it. Um, there are some reports in about 10% of patients that they'll have some irritation, that they may notice um, a difference in um, their um, vaginal discharge, and that can be bothersome to some patients. Um, some patients also just have a fear of placing it themselves. Everyone should know that nothing gets lost in the vagina, meaning you can totally pull it out yourself. But if you have a younger patient who may not be as well-versed with their body, then maybe that's a patient who is not gonna feel comfortable putting in and is probably equally not gonna be as comfortable with taking it out. So um, those are people where I say, maybe it's not as user-friendly in that situation. All right. The last one I wanted to ask you about is Fexi. And this is a little different. It's a hormone-free contraceptive gel that's inserted into the vagina right before penis and vagina sex. It works by keeping the vaginal pH within the vagina's normal pre-sex range, counteracting the influence of the semen and incapacitating the sperm. So I'm gonna ask you to help us unpack that, the mechanism of action. I mean, what is the vaginal pH balance and how does keeping it stable work as, a con work as contraception? Yeah, I think a lot of people, when they hear about Fexi, they're like, oh my God, it's a spermicide. And spermicides are like, no good. Um, so part of that uh, statement is true in the sense that spermicides are really not that effective in terms of preventing pregnancy. They're only 70% effective. Um, but Fexi is a gel and the whole purpose is that it keeps your vagina really acidic and that counteracts this very alkaline semen, which has sperm. And so then it prevents sperm from moving around. So sperm um, are very modal, of course, that's how they get to where they need to be to, um, to uh, result in pregnancy. And so it just essentially prevents them from moving around. And then as a result, then sperm and egg don't meet and there's no um, formation of an embryo. So who might be a good candidate to use this gel? Um, I think that Fexi works in a variety of cases. So I think it works in patients who are already using another form of birth control and are looking for something that is non-hormonal or they are on something that's hormonal and they just want to add that extra layer of protection. So Fexi is one of the few um, forms of birth control that is compatible with things like a pill, it's compatible if you're on the patch. It's compatible if you're using condoms. Um, it's compatible if you're using a diaphragm. Um, so I would say if you know, you're know you using something especially that's not on the higher end of preventing pregnancy like condoms or a diaphragm, adding Fexi actually improves your um, ability to prevent pregnancy. Um, and uh, I think that um, Fexi is also really great um, for individuals who may not be able to take hormones because of medical conditions. Um, and uh, I think that Fexi also has um, this ability to be used as a lubricant. So if you're someone who wants the added protection, um, but you also normally use a lubricant with your partner, then this can serve both purposes. So it has a lot of advantages. Um, so I mentioned earlier that I've noticed a trend that a lot of these things really seem to be designed to be convenient and easy to use. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious, just what are some other 
innovations in contraception that you think we might can, can see in the coming years? What's, what's cooking in the pipeline? Yeah, I think probably the big one that we're all really excited for is when they come up either with a ring or they come up with a patch that's progesterone only. And that's because of the fact that most medications that are hormonal birth control have both hormones, estrogen and progesterone. And estrogen gets a bad rep. And I mean, appropriately so, because it does increase your risk of having blood clots, which is probably one of the most serious complications of um, using birth control. Um, but a lot of patients who need, um, who need hormonal birth control aren't candidates for estrogen because of their medical issues. Um, and really their only other option other than the pill is an IUD, but not everyone wants something that's as long-term. Um, so I think alternatives that could be easier to comply with, easier to use, um, such as like the ring or as the patch would be a, a great thing um, for us as providers, but I also think just to give patients options. Mm. So, I want to ask how you help patients sort through all this to actually choose an option. When I was doing a little bit of prep uh, ahead of our conversation, I was looking at our, our birth control contraception comparison chart, and that yeah. thing has gotten so big, I'm like, my gosh, it's just option after option, which is really great, but it can be confusing and a little bit almost overwhelming. So how do you talk with people and help them sort of winnow down what's what might be a good choice? Yeah. So the first thing I ask everyone is, you know, how soon do you think, if at all, you want to get pregnant? And if they're like, I don't want to get pregnant at all, or I'm just looking for birth control, like for the next year, then that can kind of give me an idea um, in terms of, do they want something that's more long-term, something that lasts three, five, seven years, or do they 10 years? Or do we think that maybe they just want something for the next six months before they try to get pregnant? Um, so reversibility. Um, so there's that part. The other part is medical, um, uh, like uh, medical problems, right? Because every person has um, potential reasons why it may be unsafe for them to, um, to uh, take a certain kind of birth control or use a kind of birth control. And the other thing is I asked them about their lifestyle. I'm like, what sounds easy to you? Are you a person who wants to take a pill every day? Or are you a person who really just wants to be hands-free and feel reassured that um, you will not have to do very much in terms of management of um, your birth control? And then based on that, um, I'll start counseling them using a couple of different resources that they themselves after the visit can always look through and are very accessible. Um, they also have like some great charts. So I usually use bedsider.org, um, which is a great um, organization that has a lot of tabs just to explain each of the different types of birth control, but also has very easy charts that um, a lot of organizations or a lot of um, hospitals um, supply to patients. The other one is actually Planned Parenthood. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people think Planned Parenthood is there for um, abortive services, but it's actually there for obstetric and gynecologic services for a large portion of women. And their website is so easy to use. You just hit the learn more tab and then you go to birth control, contraception, and then everything is listed there. And it's so great because it's also organized based on commonly asked questions. Um, so I think if a patient isn't quite sure what they want, those are the two, um, those are the two resources I'll point them to. Um, and I always ask those preliminary questions too as well, just to get kind of a baseline of what they're looking for. 
Good, and we'll include those uh, resources in the uh, show notes. So that's good. Thank you for uh, for mentioning that. Yeah. Um, let me ask in the few minutes we have left. Um, whenever when patients come to you and they're like, you know, this really this option isn't working for me. I want to try something else. What is it that usually provokes them to want to try a new method of birth control? Yeah. So trying a new method of birth control, I mean, there are a variety of reasons why people will ask. Sometimes it's because they got pregnant on that same birth control and they're like, I can't do this again. Um, Sometimes it's because they have um, side effects such as like unscheduled bleeding, or they have really considerable nausea or breast tenderness. Um, And that can be as a result of um, the balance of the different hormones within um, their medication that they're taking. Um, sometimes, um, patients will, um, want to get on something that is less work for them because they're just noticing that having to take something every day or keeping track of something is a little bit more difficult. And other reasons are because they're looking to get pregnant in the near future. And so they're switching it out. Um, some, I think the, the last thing may be, um, price, um, but, I think nowadays, because there are so many different alternatives in terms of getting coverage for things such as IUDs, Nexplanons, um, even you know uh, uh, pills themselves. I mean, there's a lot of different alternatives that patients should know about to be able to advocate for themselves for medication. So you can always ask your provider to look at the $4 list on Walmart because all those birth control pills are gonna be a lot cheaper. And let me tell you, it doesn't matter if you get the $100 one or the $4 one, they're all the same. Um, If you're looking to get an IUD and your provider is quoting you $1,500, actually call your local Planned Parenthood because based on your salary or your income, there can be um, a pay scale um, that uh, is reflective of um, what your annual income is. And there are payment plans that are much more reasonable than a lot of private institutions or even public institutions. Um, And then there are certain grants that are um, provided to um, certain public institutions that will actually um, give patients um, long-term birth control for free. Um, So there are a lot of different avenues I think we don't discuss enough when it comes to the price. Um, But I have had more than one patient um, just very openly tell me like, I can't afford this kind of birth control, so I need another alternative. Um, So I think that's also been something that um, we've had to learn to maneuver around. All right. You uh, mentioned condoms a couple of times, and that just sort of triggered me that I should probably ask you about that, because while we've been talking about some really fantastic ways to prevent pregnancy, condoms are still what you look to to prevent sexually transmitted infections. And so do you have conversations about, I guess, dual use with your patients a lot? Yeah. So I do ask patients, um, you know, how many sexual partners they have. Um, so if they're in a monogamous relationship or not. Um, I also do ask, you know, are there sexual partners, male, female, both or neither, just to get a better understanding of what their general risks are. Um, and I remind them that if they're not in a monogamous relationship, um, or if, um, you know, they, um, or um, if they themselves at any point um, have any change in um, their uh, feelings regarding um, things such as having sexual pain or a change in um, the consistency or the look or the odor of their discharge, that they do definitely need to be checked out and they should you know, consider using um, condoms with their partner. Um, condoms are the only way to prevent um, sexually transmitted infections. Um, the only thing that may slightly improve 
improve some infections, and this is not um, this is not scientifically substantive, um, is actually using Fexi just because it alters the vaginal flora, but it really only reduces the risk of bacterial vaginosis. And that scientific data is it's not strong. Um, using spermicides actually irritates the vagina. And so then that increases the risk for some infections such as HIV. So that would be a medication that I would say, Hey, you like, you definitely need to try to use condoms with it. Um, so those are just like the nuances. Um, but in general, of course, um, barrier contraception or condom use, um, is highly recommended especially if you think that you would be at risk for um, contracting a sexually transmitted infection um, from your one partner or numerous partners. I wish all doctors were like you. Dr. Noor, thank you so much. You're absolutely the best. I know this is like twice we've had you on the podcast. I got to tell you, I can feel an episode three coming up at some point. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. I love this. There we I, go. I mean, and, I and I should have mentioned in the beginning when I was introducing you, you're also on our board of directors, which means you're kind of my boss. So there you go. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. I think that you carry more power here. If it hadn't been for you, I, I mean, I like really, really appreciate having this conversation and you've clearly kept this podcast alive and well. So all, um, um, all of the kudos goes to you. Thank you so much. Well, we really appreciate this. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. You can listen to our other podcast with Dr. Noor on our ASHA podcast page, and we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Please check in with us often. We'll have a lot of updates, and uh, you can also find us on social media at InfoAsha. So until next time, thanks a lot. This is Fredo. Take care, everybody. <laughs>